Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And as those of us in Bloomington can easily see, students by the thousands are returning to college campuses this week, all over the country, actually. Uh, And they often need to outfit their new dorm room or an apartment. Uh, And they're doing this with a lot of new stuff, which isn't necessarily friendly to the concept of recycling or reusing materials. Uh, In Bloomington, the Hoosier to Hoosier community sale will be Saturday, and that's an effort to reuse desks and chairs and other furnishings left over by previous students visiting that sales. One way Hoosiers can be more conscious of the environment. And today on Noon Edition, we're going to talk to experts and leaders from around the country about what uh, a variety of communities are doing and what more can be done to improve recycling programs. So here in the studio with us is Jackie Bauer. Glad to have Jackie. Jackie is the sustainability coordinator for the city of Bloomington. Joining us from Indianapolis by phone is Carrie Hamilton, the executive director of the Indiana Recycling Coalition. And joining us from Charleston, South Carolina by phone, Alec Cooley, the director of recycling programs at Keep America Beautiful. If you want to join the conversation, you can give us a call at 855-0811. That's the 812 area code, 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So thanks for all of you. Thanks to all of you for being here with us today. Hi, Bob. Hi. Hi, Mary Catherine. Good, good. good. I love this topic. Yeah, it's a great topic. And, Alec, I hope things are beautiful in Charleston today. They, they are very beautiful down here. We, uh, we're, we're, we've got some nice weather. That's good. So. Well, we, we like the looks of things here in, in Bloomington, and we're sure Cary and Indy, it's pretty nice, too. It is. All right. So let's start by talking about, you know, some of these these trends. I mean, in the in the uh, preview of the show, before we went to the, the news, we talked about how recycling is not really um, perhaps paying very well right now and it's it, there's some economic issues with it so i'm going to i'm going to turn to jackie first because jackie's very familiar with you know bloomington and our community's recycling program so let's got to talk about that trend sure right. so before we get into that sure. you know one of the main points i want to make for bloomingtonians particularly is that our trash goes to terre haute so mm-hmm. everything we throw away travels about 60 miles across the state in trucks that get about eight miles per gallon. So, and that, and that landfill has about a 15-year lifespan. So we are, in a way, over a barrel with how we manage our waste. Recycling, thankfully, has picked up. People have become more conscious. I think the trend in the the um, students that are coming to campus expecting there to be recycling. So we know people want the service, but there's still this disconnect with what people buy. You know, we still need to focus on buying items made out of recycled materials. But even more important, backing up even another step, using less stuff. I mean, we have gotten so used to buying tons of stuff in plastic bottles, and you know, the amount of recycling we generate is so tremendous, and we've, we are so accustomed to being able to just throw it in the recycling bin, and, and you know, in a way, it's still out of sight, out of mind. And so there's still a, a consumption question mm-hmm. that needs to be looked at. Right. Okay. Well, Carrie from uh, Indianapolis, uh, your your thoughts on the same topic? Yeah. Well, um, you you mentioned commodities prices going down, and it's true. There is um, currently a downturn in the value of commodities, but what we're seeing across the country, um, and very much so in Bloomington, you're doing a great job down there, is that we realize we want to do the right thing, and we need to invest for the long term, and Recyclables are commodities, which means they're going to go up and down, and we need to just be able to handle that, work that into our contracts so that we can continue to provide good recycling services that people want and that benefits our environment and ultimately our economy as well. Um, I do want to point out that while the value to cities of the the material may be going down right now, part of the long-term picture is that recycling creates jobs. So that's an important part of the picture as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And extends the life of la- landfills. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, just to, to make sure that we get Alec on here early, too. So, Alec, you're with uh, Keep America Beautiful. So can you talk about how you know, the recycling programs fit into what Keep America Beautiful is all about? 
Sure. Yeah, we, uh, for, for those not familiar with Keep America Beautiful, we're, we're a, a national nonprofit. We've been around since 1953, and, and our mission is really about inspiring and educating people to take action in their communities to make them more um, beautiful places, cleaner, greener, and, um, and, and more beautiful. And, and recycling is very much a core part of that. Um, so we, we have a number of programs that we do that are focused primarily, our, our niche is about the behavior side. It's, it's uh, we a lot of folks, communities, make the investment into the recycling infrastructure, but we know that we also have to um, give people a reason to recycle and take advantage of those bins. And so that's what a lot of uh, what we're doing is focused on, is, is how do you work with people as they are um, and, and to their values and, and give them a reason to recycle. Okay, uh, so how do you do that? Well, we do that in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first thing is to understand uh, what, what some of the barriers are to actual recycling. And, and, and there are two things we know from, um, from academic research that's gone into this that, that are they're, they're front and center. One of those is just the lack of convenience. If you don't have a recycling bin where you are when you're in, you know, ready to discard something, um, most people are not going to carry that around with them um, and go find a recycling bin. Um, you know, uh, down the street. And so it's how do we make sure we've got the recycling bins and the infrastructure that it's convenient. Um, the, the second big barrier that we work to address is confusion. Um, you know, when you go from one community to another, it's, if you leave Bloomington and you're driving up towards West Lafayette or, or somewhere else, how you actually recycle or what you're supposed to recycle can change, and that creates a lot of problems. Even within a community, that can be a real challenge when uh, what you might be able to put into your bin at your home and your curbside bin might be different than what you can do at work. Um, and so there's a lot of confusion out there, and we're doing uh, outreach programs uh, about how you address that. Okay. Carrie, from uh, the state point of view, I mean, do you see a lot of differences in Indiana communities? Uh, yeah, we have wild differences, frankly, <laughs> in our communities. We've got um, cities like Bloomington that incentivize recycling at the curb for residential collection, that have robust programs throughout the community, um, public space recycling as well. And then you've got um, communities like Indianapolis that are still struggling to provide basic curbside recycling. Um, So we uh, have a lot of work to do still in Indiana. Mm -hmm. We do see progress at the State House. Um, In 2014, a new state recycling goal of 50% was passed. So my organization, the Indiana Recycling Coalition, is working to help us establish new policies to help us achieve that goal statewide. Okay, 50%. So 50% of people's uh, gross trash uh, production, I guess, would be recyclable? Yes. So uh, of municipal solid waste, which is basically curbside material and small business material. So glass, plastic, paper, aluminum, steel, um, the basic commodities, correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Jackie, can you describe Bloomington's program? Because uh, as you know, Carrie said, it's in Indiana, at, at least, it's very robust. Sure. And we have what's called a pay-as-you-throw trash program, and that's what Carrie means when she says we incentivize. So basically, we we ask residents to pay for their trash pickup, but we but recycling is free. So there is no cost to put recycling out to the curb. So the idea behind that is that you're going to find a way to recycle as much as possible if in, if you have to pay to, to get rid of it some other way. Mm-hmm. So um, there's challenges with that, and I'm sure you've heard of it, uh, you know, that, that the costs of the program, we, like many other communities, are paying effectively to have the recycling taken away. Um, there are some, you know, efforts locally to take a little bit more control of the commodities prices um, by, by setting up a materials recovery facility that would allow us to process materials locally. Um, so, so the community is certainly like so many communities across the country, you know, affected by these trends, you know, the, the price fluctuations by, you know, the, the increase in volume, we do collect a larger percentage of our, our, um, or I should say a larger percentage of our waste is recycled than it was 10 years ago, for example. So Mm -hmm. we've gone up by about 10%. Has that flatlined or does that continue to climb? Um... I'll have to look at the most recent numbers, but it, it over the last 10 years, it's kind of steadily crept up. Mm-hmm. So we're at something like 37 or 40% of waste recycled. That 
is just the the materials that Bloomington, the city of Bloomington, collects curbside. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't take it take into account the business recycling. IU recycling mm-hmm. is separate. So it it doesn't account for a whole lot of numbers, but it gives us at least a basic idea of what the trends are. To address the the issue that uh, Alec brought up of of confusion, um, what all is taken at curbside? Pretty much everything is taken at curbside now, right? Yes, that's right. It, yeah. But it, it's absolutely true. I would say I in my position as sustainability coordinator, I get that question a lot. You know, people, friends, that's the, the question I think I get the most from friends who say, you know, I don't I don't know what to do with this plastic film or I don't know what to do with my uh-huh. toothpaste tube or whatever it is. Um, so there is a lot of confusion. We, you know, we take plastics one through seven, glass, metal, uh, cardboard, paper. We, so we really are pretty open in what we accept. But, um, you know, we've talked to, I've talked to people who've moved here from elsewhere where the recycling is even more, they recycle even more things, um, and as well as places where they don't recycle m- much at all, or they require a lot more separation mm-hmm. among the materials. So it all depends on where you are. I don't know that there's a great way to to address that because the um, the waste management companies often are, are sort mm-hmm. of setting what the standards are. Uh, here in Bloomington, the, I, I kind of get hung up on the separation. I <clears throat> try to keep it tidy, you know, keep everything separate. But how how careful do we have to be as, if we're putting our recycling out curbside? They do, you know, we do ask you to put the paper and cardboard separate from all the containers. But that's, that's basically so the... So you can mix all the paper, mm-hmm. newspapers and yep. magazines... Exactly. Even all, yep. All, all that goes. All of that goes together. But there are communities where you have to break it down a lot more. So it it does create a lot of confusion. And you know, if you, I, I think Alec mentioned that you know, in a workplace, maybe things are sort of separated differently than you do at home. And um, I know there's apartment buildings where they won't accept glass, whereas you know, if you're living in a in a house where we do curbside pickup, you can put glass out. So there's a lot of rules that create a lot of confusion. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the apartments, and I know for a long time that was a real problem here in Bloomington that residents, full year, full-time residents in homes would have curbside, but the apartment complexes didn't. Have we made progress along those lines? You, those those are still, there are still not requirements for apartment recycling. So the, the city itself um, collects and um, apartment buildings that have up to four units. Anything above that is considered a commercial building and is, and is required to re- provide their own recycling mm-hmm. if they choose. So that is still a gap. There's been a lot of discussion around possible solutions to that. I know there's a lot of interest. There are definitely landlords and property managers who found ways to provide that service because their residents demand it. So, so far we've got some voluntary solutions whether it's going to go beyond that, I, d- I don't know yet. Yeah. All right. I want to give uh, our listeners a chance to join this conversation, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. And WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is uh, our, our chat. You can go online to chat, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So I want to take a step back and take the, uh, the grander view. Um, you know, I think we, we in Bloomington, let me say, sort of as, we assume everybody knows why it's a good idea to recycle and what, what, the, what the benefits are from recycling. Alec, I want to ask you first to sort of give us your sort of elevator speech, I guess, about why it's important uh, for everybody, no matter where you live, where you are, to be recycling materials rather than just throwing them away. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, there, are, there are a number of reasons why it's uh, why recycling is important and why I think people, when they recycle at home, are, are making a substantive, concrete um, contribution. Um, you know, I'll, I'll start with, with the environmental side. Um, every time that you're, you're putting something into recycling bin, what you're doing is you're taking a raw material that, that otherwise does not need to be pulled out of the ground. And so the environmental um, impact when you need to mine for minerals out of the ground or from petroleum, um, from cutting trees, all those are, are concrete environmental impacts. And when you recycle something, you're reducing the need to do that. So that's, that's a very direct um, impact. Another um, another impact along just the environmental sides is, is just looking at the amount of energy that goes into it. Um, you know, in this country, uh, we, we recycled roughly 87 million tons of material last year, recycling and composting, and, and there's there's a direct energy um, 
value to that material. Um, with uh, with greenhouse gas emissions, when when you recycle and items are not going into a landfill, that is reducing the um, the amount of, of greenhouse gas emissions that are um, emitted by uh, last year was roughly the, the equivalent of taking 34 million cars off the road um, just from that recycling activity. Um, so, so environmentally, there, there's a lot of very direct benefits. Um, you know, Carrie touched a little bit earlier about the economic benefits, and, and there's some very direct ones there as well. Um, recycling has become a big international business, and, and it's become woven into all different um, aspects of, of trade. So, you know, that material that's being thrown out has a direct value. For, for instance, if you again, if you look at aluminum cans, um, last year we we threw out 40 billion with a B aluminum cans went into the landfill, um, and and there's a direct value for that material that was taken out of the economy and was simply put in the, in the ground. Um, that's roughly a, over 11 billion dollars worth of containers and other packaging material was thrown out last year that could have been resulting in more jobs and more manufacturing um, uh, base. Okay. Carrie, Carrie, I want to ask you the, you know, the same question. Anything that you want to add to that from yeah, your, your just, speech? Yeah, Yeah. well, um, uh, Alex did a great job. And just to kind of reiterate on the energy piece, a simple way to think about it is recycling is one of the easiest ways that each of us can reduce our carbon footprint in our daily lives, full stop. It's um, huge energy saving throughout the supply chain of consumer goods in our economy. You think If you think about harvesting raw resources from various places around the world versus harvesting resources that require less processing to turn back into new products and harvesting them locally, you know, you can just imagine that energy savings throughout the supply <clears> chain. <throat> mm-hmm. um, and then also to, to hit on the jobs um, point for Indiana specifically, in 2013, we commissioned a job study um, around recycling in Indiana and determined that if we were to increase recycling across the state 25%, and that's a percent that we know is very doable based on the characterization of our waste in Indiana today, we would create 10,000 new jobs. And that's the collection, sorting, transporting, and processing jobs required to get the material ready for the marketplace. And then the other piece that's very interesting for Indiana, and particularly relevant in our state as a manufacturing state, is that once we've prepared that material, it oftentimes stays in Indiana. We have significant um, presence of glass, aluminum, paper, plastic manufacturers here in our state. So it's truly a win-win for our environment and our economy. But before we have a caller, but before I get to the caller, I want to follow up and ask about, you know, that sounds like a, a message that should resonate with the state legislature. You, you said you think there's been some progress with the legislature. What do you expect in the next session? Um, you know, I'm not sure yet. We've had some fits and starts. I mean, this data has been helpful, and, and <clears throat> frankly, we pulled it together for that very reason, um, to try to make the economic case at the state house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still face some challenges. I, I, there's still... Um, um, a perception of uh, sort of a soft eco thing when you talk about recycling. And so we're, we're, we're continuing to work through that and get to the facts of this is just as much about building a new part of our economy as it is helping our environment. Okay, Carrie, thanks for, thanks for that. Now we're going to go to the phones. We have Don from Terre Haute who's calling. Don? Yeah, hi. Uh, I had a question and maybe just a rumor, but I heard that uh, some individuals had followed recycling vehicles or uh, material that was supposedly being recycled, and it uh, actually ended up in the landfill. And, I, and I've also witnessed where they've dumped uh, recycling bins, not in, not in uh, Bloomington, but where they dumped recycling bins and trash together. How big of a problem is that? Uh, I didn't know if that's an issue with material that actually doesn't make it to the recycling but it actually gets mixed in and sent to a landfill. Let's start with Jackie on that. So, Jackie, you know, how, how do you monitor where our recycling is going? You know, I've heard these 
you sort of anecdotal stories before, and to be honest, I don't have a lot of, of proof. Um, we don't have any reason to suspect that that our recycling is not being recycled. We have a longstanding contract with, with a contractor who provides that service and have visited their materials recovery facility in Indianapolis. So we, we feel confident that the items that are recycled are in, or that are that are put out at the curb are in fact being recycled. Um, but I suspect that there is some truth to some of that, that that with the fluctuating commodity prices, with the challenges of recycling glass, for example, that they may, you know, there may be um, vendors who are less sort of upstanding or, or, or are finding some other solution there. But Carrie or Alec may be able to speak to that a little bit better. Okay. Carrie? Yeah, I, I would say um, by and large today, the recycling industry and the collection infrastructure is advanced to a stage where if the material is being collected for recycling, it's most likely being recycled. Um, markets are in place. Even if it's a lower value, you're still selling it versus paying for disposal. Um, and, and certainly we hear those stories on and off over the years, have heard those stories. Um, I think there really are one-off small instances in most cases. Alec, yeah. anything to add? Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, this is definitely something you hear uh, a lot, and, and there's, it's an urban myth, I think, in a lot of cases that's been around for a long time. And, and, and some of it goes like back, I think, to perceptions 20 years ago. But the recycling industry has matured tremendously. It, it's a professional industry where there are direct, um, you know, hard economic um, numbers that, that point companies and communities to, to want to actually recycle that material. You, you have to keep in mind that once you've collected it, you still have to actually pay to put it into a hole in the ground And versus when you're recycling, even if the markets are, are down, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a revenue neutral. So to take something, collect it for recycling, and then throw it away is, is not in anybody's financial interest for the most part. Um, uh, so that, I think that's something important to keep in mind. Um, you know, when you collect steel cans, they can be turned into a bicycle. They can be turned into other steel cans, and there's there's hard economic um, numbers that that motivate the, the correct behavior for for companies. Mm-hmm. Okay, Don. Anything else? No, that's it. Thanks. Okay, thanks a lot for the call. All right, we're gonna have to take a short break. You're listening to Noon Edition. We're talking about recycling, and we'll be getting into some more issues of reuse and recycling um, after this break. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we're talking about recycling issues today on Noon Edition. Jackie Bauer is in the studio with us. Jackie is the sustainability coordinator for the city of Bloomington. Carrie Hamilton is joining us by phone from Indianapolis, where she is the executive director of the Indiana Recycling Coalition. And Alec Cooley is joining us from Charleston, South Carolina by phone, where he is the director of recycling programs at Keep America Beautiful. If you want to join the conversation, you can give us a call at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition and you can follow us on twitter at noon edition so coming up uh you know we've been talking a lot about recycling during the first part of the show um but let's talk a little bit more about reuse and i know there's an exciting event coming up this saturday uh here in bloomington specifically uh aimed at uh reducing and well 
reusing things that Indiana University students and other people in Bloomington um, generate over the course of a year. Jackie, do you want to talk about that? Sure. So the Hoosier to Hoosier Community Sale is a once a year event. We put it on. The City of Bloomington works with IU. And this year we're working with the Cutters Soccer Club. So it is a, a community effort. We have a number of other charities that also work with us to provide volunteers in exchange for a, a portion of the revenues. But the the event is huge. Um, we we collect all of the reusable items from the residence halls as well as a number of off-campus locations. And so we take up a good portion of a very of a five-acre warehouse. So it's an enormous event, enormous effort. Um, but the you know we I like to tell people it is a waste diversion program. Mm -hmm. It is not a yard sale. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, talk about the kinds of items that you have. You have everything from furniture to clothing? Yep, exactly. Yeah, furniture, clothing, microwaves, refrigerators, shelving, um, all kinds of housewares, shower caddies, um, you know, all kinds of things that that students need in residence halls, but also in apartment buildings. Mm -hmm. um, we have lots and lots of furniture, um, sofas and chairs, and we found this amazing set of vintage chairs just sitting on the curb, and most of the stuff comes directly as a donation, but every once in a while we come across a treasure like that. Um, we do have all of the items checked by a bed bug dog, so I know that's a question we get a lot, but we do try to be as responsible as possible with that stuff. But, you know, we, we try to get the word out to students on how to donate their things. We try to convey the message that we want you to we want you to use less stuff in the first place but when you do have things you need to get rid of don't throw them on the curb you know donate them to the sale mm -hmm. and and it both gets those items to people that need them and also generates a lot of of money for organizations that you know really do a lot of good in the community and i see the website is h uh, the number 2 h Dot Indiana dot edu. It's uh, fifteen twenty five South Rogers this Saturday from eight a.m. to three p.m. Is there bus service um, down to that area? There is. Well, there's the the regular city bus number two runs right in front of the building, but we also have a shuttle from campus this year. Oh, good idea. Yep. Yeah, so we're having a, a shuttle that'll pick up at McNutt, Forest, and Eigenman, and it'll just do a loop a few times through campus, and then it'll head down to the warehouse. So we're trying to do what we can to encourage students to come down and. and Buy from us instead of a big box store. And how, well, how, yeah, how much can people save? Well, so we had a volunteer who put together this great display of a dorm room, what a dorm room should look like, and all the little things that you would you would possibly buy. And, and she found that the total cost was close to $400 if you bought it at, at a big box store. Um, but when we priced it at, at H2H prices, it was about 40 Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Well, I, I'm going to say I'm mounting an expedition of uh, IU freshmen, of uh, which my son is one, and uh, his friends, and they've held off purposely on finishing their rooms That's based fantastic. on, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Carrie and Alec, you, you, you know, you, I don't know if you've had this experience, but being in a college town like we are, college, University City, um, I've actually noticed this year there wasn't nearly as much stuff on the streets mm -hmm. as there have been. And I think that's a, that is a testament to Hoosier to Hoosier because students, I think, have gotten the message. It used to be in the in the well around August 1st when people would have to move out the the and in, in May when people would be moving out. The mounds of stuff on the streets of mm -hmm. Bloomington just was overwhelming, and it, it mm -hmm. turned into a little bit of a of a reuse um, situation too. People would just go around and find stuff and right. mm -hmm. pick stuff out. It was a it was a little underground economy at the, even at that time, but this time in August, you know, we did a story on it in the newspaper and we did a video on it where one of our reporters went around, but it was harder to find stuff. Oh, well, that that's great to hear. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Do you have anything uh, similar in your communities, uh, Carrie or Alec? Um, well, first, I just want to say kudos to Jackie and the folks that make that happen. That's a wonderful program. Um, I do know that there are some similar efforts in different college towns. I know that Keep America Beautiful, maybe Alec can speak to this, has um, worked with some of those schools to try to, to recreate this great model. Um, so, Thank you. And I, I remember back in my college days, the underground version of this economy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I see that more is happening as above ground. Right. Yeah. 
Alex? Yeah, yeah. I, I can remember, you know, my, my background was actually with a, a state university in California managing the recycling, and, and I remember each year at, when the, the move-out time of year came along, um, we would have folks come scavenge and try and pull things out of the dumpsters, and, and our, our uh, public safety used to refer to it as hippie Christmas, um, <laughs> which, which was a little extreme. But, um, but, but yeah, I, what, um, I think what you're hearing about locally um, is, is an example of what a lot of colleges and universities are doing around the country. Um, uh, Carrie referred to a, a program we have called Give and Go, which is a partnership with Goodwill. And, and very specific to this, we've worked with uh, 20 colleges and universities this last year all around how you plan effective collection programs and address all these different issues that, that come up, like, like, like uh, scavenging or, or making sure that there's, the trucks are going by to pick up at the right time. Um, there, there's a lot that goes into planning effective recycling or reuse programs, and, and a lot of times with uh, limited bandwidth, um, it, it's helpful getting some of the technical expertise on how you design programs so that they're effective. And, and so that's an, that's an example of the type of program that Keep America Beautiful does, um, is, is just bringing some of that planning expertise, marketing materials to help schools uh, with nice professional posters. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's a lot of opportunity uh, to, to design effective programs that can capture more than you know twenty thirty percent, but trying you know you, from my experience, a lot of what goes in that dumpster, probably eighty ninety percent of it, can actually be reused or recycled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's it, it, just before we go, Mary Catherine's got another issue she wants to talk about. But before we go to that, I want to to add on to this because it seems like we're seeing more of these reuse programs or or a higher. Uh, awareness of them. You look, look at goodwill advertising on television, where they they seem to have a lot of um, you know a real aggressive stance toward you know don't throw that away. We'd love to have it. So yeah. All right, and another program um, also sponsored by the city of Bloomington, a different mm-hmm. department. The Parks and Rec Department is sponsoring Junk in the Trunk, which is also this Saturday. It's at the uh, Frank Southern Ice Arena parking lot. It's from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. It's a free event. I spoke with uh, Becky Barrick from Parks earlier today, and she said they've got over 50 vendors uh, lined up there. And that's kind of folks who um, are going to be selling um, yard sale type items, of furniture, whatever you know they can put on their vehicle or in their vehicle, and then set up a little booth. And it's uh, kind of like a farmer's market for stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, that's another opportunity if you can't find what you're looking for at Hoosier to Hoosier you can always go to Junk in the Trunk or vice versa. All right we're talking about uh, recycling and reuse on Noon Edition today Uh, and we have guests from all across the country. We have Alec Cooley from Charleston, South Carolina who's the director of recycling programs at Keep America Beautiful. Carrie Hamilton is from Indianapolis and joining us on the phone also she's executive director of the Indiana Recycling Coalition and Jackie Bowers from right here in Bloomington sustainability coordinator for the city of Bloomington. So if you want to join us and give us a call and talk about these issues, we would love to have you on the air the last 20 minutes or so of the show. 812-855-0811 in Bloomington and 1-877-285-9348. If you're outside of the Bloomington calling area, you can also join the live chat online at wfiu.org slash noon edition and you can even follow us on twitter at noon edition you know i did just unpack a a college student at a dorm and um while we held off on buying some things that that we'll buy uh saturday at hoosier hoosier we, we bought some things of course and um i was really overwhelmed by the amount of packaging that we ended up with afterwards and i brought it home to recycle but I was, I remembered from literally my childhood pe- talking about packaging needs to be, you know, less involved. And, and yet it seems like we've, we haven't made quite as much proj- progress along those lines as we might. And e- any of the three of you can address this. What kind of initiatives are going on to decrease the amount of packaging for just everything? <laughs> I, I, I can go and, and, and jump in uh, just, just from a national level. Um, you, you, you would actually be surprised. I mean, there, we, you've not necessarily seen a lot of products that are where the packaging's just going away altogether, and you're you're, you're not necessarily seeing a lot of like bulk uh, uh, purchasing 
programs. But but behind the scenes, you, you will notice that that a lot of the type of packaging has dramatically shrunk. Um, just the amount, the amount of material that actually goes into it. Um, there, there's a term called lightweighting that a lot of companies and manufacturers with with packaging have, have shifted over the last 15, 20 years. So, for instance, if you take a plastic bottle, water bottle, um, you'll notice that if, if you crush it with your hand, in a lot of cases, there, it's very easy to, to crush, and that's because there's far less actual material in that bottle than 20 years ago. They, they figured out the technology for how to reduce the amount of plastic needed to create a bottle. Um, and, and a lot of that is driven by just sheer economic reasons. You know, the less material that goes into an aluminum can or a plastic bottle, the less cost there is to them to produce that. So mm-hmm. there actually is a lot of that type of thing that's going on throughout the packaging industry. One of the challenges for the recycling supply stream is the change, not just the light weighting, because that does change the economics of transporting material and collecting it, but also just the always changing composition of material. For example, I buy lots of soups and different products at uh, at the store that now come in boxes that used to be in cans or in plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that changing composition of the waste stream is a challenge for folks to operate recycling facilities and need to change their equipment on occasion to be able to handle different types of materials. Um, so that is that is a big issue in the recycling industry today, both the light weighting um, and the just how do we handle the ongoing evolution of materials. Mm. Okay. I think we have a phone call that I think uh, has a, a caller who has a question that might be really related to this. So uh, Arvids, is that how you say your name? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh, yes. Uh, my question is regarding the marking, uh, recycling uh, uh, codes that is on small packaging. I find that things like, say, toothpaste tubes, uh, uh, certain medical medicine bottles, uh, deodorant uh, containers, things like that, uh, and uh, also plastic bags, uh, they don't have any recycling codes on them. And uh, uh, personally, I would like to see those products have recycling codes so that I could recycle them because I'm, I very much believe in recycling. And uh, I don't know what it would take to have uh, them be put on. Uh, Maybe we need more of a national effort in this um, area. So uh, if people could talk about that, I'd appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Who wants to go first? Carrie? Sure. Um, I guess I I would say I'm sure that everyone on the panel would agree that we'd like to see those items recyclable, too. That is, you're right, there are are items that we buy at the store today that cannot be recycled. And uh, there are organizations like um, the Sustainable Packaging Coalition that are working with manufacturers to increase the percentage of packaging material that can be recycled. So that is, that's in progress. It is frustrating when you buy something that can't be recycled. Um, My 12-year-old goes crazy almost every day having to throw something away that he wished he didn't, but... (laughs) Um, that that's just part of where we are today in the in the evolution of recycling. Okay, Alec. Yeah, yeah. The the, the one thing I would add to what Carrie said. Um, the, um, unfortunately, we, we we don't have the ability really to to coordinate how all manufacturers or all communities do things, and so there is there's a lack of a standardized system across this country that that we've referred to earlier, and, and that is one of the big challenges. Um, uh, but as Carrie mentioned, though, there, there is an initiative, uh, 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 an organization called the Sustainable Packaging Coalition, that has been talking to manufacturers about um, using a standardized type of message so that whether or not you, that item can be made recyclable or not, at least there's more clarity uh, with the labels so that you know what, what you can do with it. Is it something that can go into a curbside bin? Is it something you can take, uh, like, like, like plastic bags, um, you can take back to the, your supermarket free? But but there is an initiative that that is addressing that very issue that that you're raising. All right. Anything else, Arvids? Uh, no, I just hope that uh, you know we are successful in this area, and uh, to me, the sooner the better. All right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. Thanks Great. a lot for the call. <laughs> All right. Eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington. That's the eight one two area code. One eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, and you can also join a live chat at wfiu.org/noonedition, and you can follow us 
on Twitter at Noon Edition. We actually had somebody who tweeted at us. Uh, Laurel has a question. She says, I live in a condo with dumpsters, but no recycling bins. Is taking recycling to the center my only option? Would the city provide a bin? So this goes back to that earlier comment, you know, in in buildings with more than four units, we don't provide curbside service. So it's it's absolutely a challenge. It's a gap in the system. But unfortunately, at this point, the, the best that you can do is is work through your condominium management company or association. Um, so there are folks who have done that type of thing, who've gotten organized and, and made sure that there were recycling uh, facilities provided. It actually can be done. It doesn't need to be a dumpster often. It can be sort of those curbside totes, which require a lot less space. Mm-hmm. So there are solutions people have found. Uh, but I think, you know, let your council person, your city council person, know that that's important to you and let your, your management agency know that that's important. And, you know, the more people speak up about it, the more then we, you know, we can start to explore some options. We also got a a question on our website, and it had to do, again, it's it's Bloomington-specific, but not really because, you know, all of you, uh, both Carrie and Alec, you see recycling programs everywhere. But uh, this questioner asked about newspapers specifically, and if they're wet, will the recycling, will, will they still be picked up? Jackie? In, in Bloomington, do you? My understanding is that, yes, they are. I, you, and to be honest, I don't know that, that um, I don't know exactly what happens to them, but I'm imagining that in the processing, in the process of, of you know, converting them into new things, they are going to get wet anyway. But uh, Carrie or Alec may know better, right. you know, whether there's an obstacle there. Yes. No. Recycle your newspaper, even if it's wet. It'll, it'll get in the system. And it does ultimately get wet. And in the transportation, sometimes it gets wet. It's not ideal. But it's part of the reality of how that material is collected. So okay. don't stop recycling your paper if it's wet. <laughs> All right. I wonder if we could talk for a minute about public space recycling. Sure. Go right ahead. What, Great. Uh, well, I just, yeah. we've got a um, kind of a fun fact for Indiana that's really stunning. There are 4 billion disposable beverage containers consumed by Hoosiers every year. 4 billion. Um, yeah. So just, just that kind of is stunning to think about. But then the, um, a large percentage of those are consumed away from home. Oh, sure. So public space recycling has become a priority of ours. I know it's a priority of Keep America Beautiful, too. Um, Three years ago, we partnered with Keep America Beautiful, Alex and his colleagues, and the Alcoa Foundation to to set up what was really the first comprehensive recycling program at the State Fair, and now we're on year three of that. Um, And that's been a wildly successful initiative. So I just wanted to touch on that important point. I know that there is some public space recycling going on in Bloomington as well. That's right. So we've been, we've had uh, recycling bins along Kirkwood, so our main drag, for quite some time. We struggle a little bit with that. So the what we found, and I think this is sort of the common finding across the country, is that if the bin looks too much like a trash can, people use it as a trash can, even if it's standing next to a trash can. Mm. So really, I think what works is to have something that is very, very clearly recycling. Um, I think, you know, IU Campus also has added recycling bins in public areas, and I think they suffer from the same problems where, where people tend to use them as trash cans. The thing that we've found has been pretty successful is actually the Big Belly solar compactor. So when mm. we've paired a solar trash compactor with the solar recycling bin, for whatever reason, those get less contamination, and, and they've actually been a lot more successful. Um, when you're looking at events, it's sort of another strategy. Um, we've we've adopted a practice of, of trying to have volunteers who actually staff recycling stations <laughs> and help people sort of figure out, well, what goes where. You know, and big events like Lollapalooza and, and other, you know, really big events have managed to get a handle on this by, you know, having recite or by having volunteers present. So um, I think there's lots of strategies, but it is not by any means a simple solution. I know that uh, we don't have the IU representative here uh, with us today, but I know that that the university has tried very hard and you go to an IU sporting event like a football game or a basketball game and there are public recycling bins everywhere at those and and of course there's a that's a place where a lot of people are drinking a lot of things and Mm -hmm. that can be recycled so all right we have a couple oh go ahead Allie 
Well, I, I was just going to jump in because yeah. this is a, um, a point that, that we've focused a lot on. It, it, in a lot of ways, this goes back to the behavior um, in, in terms of how you design a program. Um, if, if you put out uh, a recycling bin and people can't tell that it's different from the trash, then you will you'll see they're being interchangeable. But, but there is a lot of knowledge and, and, and research that has gone into how do you design the bins so that people just intuitively know what it is without it being a, um, um, without it kind of causing more confusion. We, we've been working on a project um, actually uh, um, across state over um, West Lafayette where we're doing a research project right now with Purdue University that's looking at this very topic. Um, and it's, you know, what type of messages can you put on the bin that make it clear and obvious to somebody that this is for recycling, again, without having to stop and study a label for, for 30 seconds, but just, you know, just a, with an impassing. Um, and so we're, we're looking forward to the information we get from that and how we can take that to turn around and advise communities when you set up these types of programs, here are the best practices so that uh, you're not just collecting trash in two separate bins, but you're actually collecting that of recycling. You know, when we started the show, we, we talked about uh, a little bit of the economics of recycling, and I wanted to revisit that for a minute. And the, the, the quote that I read um, pre-show from the uh, chief of executive of waste management, the nation's largest recycler, said, you know, if people feel that recycling is important, and I think they do increasingly, then we are talking about a nationwide crisis uh, in terms of the, the cost of recycling and the economy of recycling and I, I wanted to get you know reactions from any or all of you ab about that what 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 can we do what can we do to make recycling more of an economic winner I guess Did anybody have a thought you know I think there are segments of recycling that are pretty steadily profitable um, you know, metal recycling has been something that's been well established for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I was thinking back to Carrie's comment about whether this was an eco green sort of sort of um, initiative. But you know, you take anybody to a salvage yard, and you know, that's just something that we've gotten used to. So I, you know, there are certainly economic motivations for recycling. You know, I think it goes back to that question of encouraging people, you know, close that loop and use materials that are actually recycled. Mm -hmm. um, it, but it, but it's a tricky question, you know, when there's things like glass that have, you know, they, they break, they do damage to equipment, they, you know, they can have a really big, uh, they can make a recycling program and create some real challenges. So, um, it, you know, Carrie and Alec may again have a, a perspective yeah. on the national level. Well, I would say to that particular comment from the CEO of a major um, waste and recycling hauler and service provider, um, there are private sector companies that have gotten into contracts with municipalities, sometimes long-term contracts, that ultimately failed that company because they were guaranteeing a percentage of profit off of the sale of commodities that then didn't real, wasn't realized, and they didn't back that up with a baseline recovery of their costs regardless of the commodity price. So basically, poor negotiation on their part. They're, they need to untangle from those contracts over time. And we all need to look at what we need as communities, what services we want, how, how efficient, you know, most efficiently we can have them provided to us in a way that doesn't undermine the service providers because we need them to provide the service. Um, you know, so it's We've gotten into a, a, a bit of a pickle um, as the industry has evolved, and we're learning a lot of lessons right now about uh, costs and markets and investments. There's been a lot of uh, big-dollar investment from the private sector and, and you know, getting that paid off. So it's, it's a pretty complex system. Alex mentioned, Alex mentioned earlier that it's a big industry. A recent study said that recycling in the U.S. was a $105 billion industry a year. So uh, high stakes for yeah. some of these. Right. Uh, big player. Yeah. And, 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 and the thing I would emphasize is it, it is important to step back and understand recycling, like oil or other commodities, is a cyclical business. Um, and it, it's, it's, it, it's a little distorting to look at that's what happened in the last year or two with the markets and say, wow, recycling is, is going down the tubes. It, it's anything but that. Um, yeah. This happens. Um, and when you step back and you look at the trend, 
recycling is, you know, it, it's, it's increasingly integral to the world economy with manufacturing and all. And like everything, um, you go through cycles. And, and to Carrie's last point, this is also, I think, a, a big driver for the industry to how do we do this more effectively? How do we become more efficient? How do we design programs that, um, that handle materials at less cost? And that's a healthy thing. All right. Let's go. We have a phone call we want to get to before we uh, have to get off the air. So Sarah from Bloomington is on the line. Sarah? Yes. Uh, I haven't heard anybody talk about FreeCycle, F-R-E-E-C, Cycle.org, as a way to uh, encourage reuse and avoid throwing things away. Okay. Well, feel free. You tell us about it, Sarah. Okay. FreeCycle.org. You go online and look just look up those those words, and there's a Bloomington group. There are groups all over the place, but there is one in Bloomington, which covers the general area. You, you post uh, moving boxes, offer moving boxes, or offer fish tank, or offer um, broken something or other that this part might be still good on. I mean, you just offer anything you want to. Or you could post want, wanted a fish tank, or wanted moving boxes, or wanted packing peanuts. Or you'd be amazed what people actually say they want. And then you respond, uh, you, you get these these offers and wants as emails, uh, and you have a couple of choices of how to get them, and then you respond to them. And uh, you, you could say porch pickup, or you can say I'll, uh, I need it out of here by such and such a time. It's just a great way to avoid throwing things away. After, of course, the Hoosier Hoosier sale, which was <laughs> <laughs> and, and Sarah, is one of the rules of that that everything does have to be free, no money it has, has to, to be... be... No money can exchange hands, although it... There are no rules about what you can do with it after you've got it. Oh, fair enough. Okay. okay. Right. Uh, go, quickly, you know, we, we okay, have one minute to go. Just, yeah, one minute to go. Okay, I was just going to point out that you ahead, know, for, for business owners, the same concept exists out there for more on an industrial level. There are material exchanges where when you have leftover materials in mass, um, there, there are exchanges where, again, free, uh, you can find somebody who needs whatever it is that you're tossing out. Okay, very quickly, Hoosier to Hoosier. Who's your detail? Tomorrow, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's uh, at 1525 South Rogers. More details at h2h.indiana.edu. Okay, and Carrie Hamilton, thank you for being here from Indianapolis on the line. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Alec Cooley from from the Keep America Beautiful. Thanks, Alec, for joining us today. And then Jackie Bauer, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Drew Dodlin, and Alexander McCall, who was also in the booth today, and engineer Mike Peshkash. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and The Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu.